Hi, welcome to my podcast, where today I'll talk about how Jesus talked with a Samaritan woman, teaching her that he gives us living water so that we may worship the Father in spirit and in truth. My name is Tim Harner. I am a Christian author and apologist, a graduate of Houghton College and of Harvard Law School, where I was an editor of the Harvard Law Review. As an attorney, my primary role has been as a general counsel. Therefore, I call the six books that I've written the General Counsel Series. The first four books of the series outline the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, providing scriptural backing for the final installments of the series that outline the history of America and the history of the Church Universal. I post my latest thoughts regularly on my website, timharner.com. For this podcast, please reflect on the questions. Why would Jesus talk with a person who the Jews despised and shunned because she was a Samaritan, who the culture despised and shunned because she was a woman, and who even the men and women of her own town despised and shunned? In what ways was Jesus himself despised and shunned? In what ways do you feel despised and shunned? How did the despised and shunned woman deflect the teachings of Jesus? How do you deflect the teachings of Jesus? What is the living water that Jesus wants to give us? In what ways do you worship the Father in spirit and in truth? And now, as I talk about Jesus talking with a person who was despised and shunned, let's pray that the Lord will let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in the sight of the Lord our God, who is our strength and our Redeemer. Today's thoughts are based on the chapter, Jesus Talks with a Samaritan Woman, in my book, Hoping in the Lord. In Jesus' promised land, everyone will be born again. Everyone will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Because Jesus didn't just tell the successful Jewish scholar Nicodemus that the Spirit of God is like the wind, blowing whenever and wherever God pleases, so that anyone may be blessed. Jesus also blessed a Samaritan woman by enabling her to start a new life. Jesus taught this hated, despised, rejected sinner that despite her sins and failures in the past, she could be born again spiritually, could be blessed in the promised land by worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. Just as in our lives, this opportunity to spread God's love came in the ordinary course of Jesus' day. He had to travel through Samaria with his disciples. Jesus was tired. He rested near Jacob's well, outside a town, while his disciples went into the town to buy food. I always find it comforting to know that Jesus got tired. It means there's nothing wrong with me getting tired either. It's all right to take a break from life's journey, to sit and rest beside a well. But even when we are tired, the opportunity to touch another person with God's love must not be passed up. If Jesus had been a typical Jewish traveler, he almost certainly would have ignored the Samaritan woman who came to the well to draw water. She was from a foreign country that good followers of God hated and despised because they had corrupted the one true religion 
by refusing to worship God in Jerusalem. Furthermore, given the low status of women in that culture, a typical male would not waste his time talking to her, especially when he was tired. But Jesus was never too tired to help other people. And Jesus never hated, despised, or rejected anyone because of their past sins, present failures, or low social standing. So he started a conversation with the Samaritan woman. Jesus began with an obvious request under the circumstances. He asked, will you give me a drink? The Samaritan woman was surprised that this Jewish man would have anything to do with her, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. She replied, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Instead of defending his actions, Jesus took the offensive, challenging the woman to broaden her perspectives. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman must have thought she had a real weirdo on her hands now. Or perhaps she thought Jesus was making fun of her, treating her like a dumb woman. She responded by pointing out the obvious. Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She must have thought, just who does this Jew think he is anyway? She asked him, probably in an angry, taunting tone of voice, Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus did not respond with anger. Instead, he explained himself further, again challenging the woman to broaden her perspectives, to be born again, so she could be born from above spiritually. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman was interested now, but like us, she failed to grasp how wonderful the gift was that Jesus was offering her. She thought it would merely relieve her from the drudgery of her everyday existence. So she told Jesus, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Before the woman could receive Jesus' gift, Jesus had to confront her with some unpleasant truths about her life some things that blocked the springs of water in her life that would give her eternal life. In this woman's case, she evidently lacked sexual faithfulness and integrity. To bring this issue to the fore, Jesus told her, Go, call your husband and come back. Before we can change our lives, we have to be honest about our lives and how we have failed to measure up to God's standards for our lives. Jesus was testing the woman to see if she could be honest with him about her sexual misconduct. She could have lied and said her husband was too busy to come. But instead, she acknowledged part of the truth. 
I have no husband, she replied. Jesus demands not just the truth about our lives. Jesus demands the whole truth and nothing but the truth. He said to her in a voice that I imagine was full of compassion and mercy, even as he confronted her with her shortcomings, you are right when you say you have no husband. In fact, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. The woman was stunned by Jesus' knowledge of her personal life. Perhaps Jesus had heard other women from the town gossiping about her as she made her way to the well. Or perhaps Jesus used supernatural powers to look into the woman's mind and heart. She certainly thought he did, for she said, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Now she was on precarious ground. God knew all about her. God's gift was available to change her life for the better. All she had to do was accept Jesus' offer of eternal life. But she drew back. She sought a distraction to draw attention away from her personal life, her failures, and her sins. She wanted to deflect Jesus away from her life and onto a theological controversy that had raged between the Samaritans and the Jews for almost a thousand years. Where should God be worshipped? She said, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Again and again, I've seen Christians, including me, use this same strategy to avoid facing the truth about ourselves and how we should change our lives. It is easier to argue about the correct translation of a Greek word in the New Testament than to ponder whether I help the poor enough. It is easier to define the term neighbor than to help someone I don't like. It is easier to tell my children how to act than to act that way myself is a good role model. Jesus does not like such distractions. He always tries to get us back to the real issues, our thoughts, our motives, and our conduct. Rather than rehash centuries of theological controversies, Jesus kept the focus on whether the woman was worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And Jesus broadened the woman's perspectives so she could see the forest of God's love instead of the trees of people's arguments. Jesus explained that a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. This did not mean that, like so many contemporary philosophers believe, there is no right or wrong. Jesus politely but firmly told the woman that the Samaritans did not know what they worshipped and that the Jews did know what was right, for salvation is from the Jews. But instead of making the truth a club to drive the woman away from God, Jesus made the truth a light to guide the woman toward God. Jesus told her that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Jesus had high standards, 
and he insisted that the woman change her life to meet God's high standards. Jesus told her, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Nevertheless, Jesus continued to offer to give the woman water so that she could enjoy eternal life. And I sense hope in the woman's eyes and voice as she told Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. I think that even as she asked the question, the woman had a pretty good idea that she was talking to the Messiah. And sure enough, Jesus gave her the answer she longed to hear. I who speak to you am he. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? The Samaritan woman went back to the town. She told people to come and meet Jesus. Having given the Samaritan woman hope that she could change her life, Jesus now gave his disciples hope that they could change the lives of anyone they met. As the crowd of Samaritans drew near, thirsty for the water Jesus wanted to give them, Jesus drove the point home to his disciples. There was no need to wait to spread God's good news. There was no barrier of nation, creed, or sex that could limit the gift of eternal life. Jesus told his disciples, Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. No matter how tired or thirsty or hungry we may be, there are always ripe fields that we can harvest. There are always promised lands full of people who need to be blessed. A single conversation can overcome centuries of hatred. A single conversation can turn someone's old life of failure into a new life of success, worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. A single conversation can give hated, despised, rejected failures a new life with a spring of water welling up to eternal life. A single conversation can give hated, despised, rejected sinners a new life of hoping in the Lord. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. If you did, please share it with a friend and find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as on my website, timharner.com. My book, Hoping in the Lord, contains citations to sources, including the scriptures. Until we are together again, may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord turn his face toward us and give us peace.